following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hey guys, before we begin, I want to remind you that we've recently released a special bonus episode where we all went to the movie theater and we watched In Time, starring Justin Timberlake. This special bonus episode is readily available at our Facebook page. Head on over to facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad, where you can download it. Hello, and welcome to episode 47 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are on Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1997's Dante's Peak, directed by Roger Donaldson, starring Pierce Brosnan, Linda Hamilton, Charles Hallahan, Elizabeth Hoffman, Jamie Renee Smith, Jeremy Foley, and Grant Hesley. Love. Dante's Peak is a 1997 disaster film. It currently holds a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? USGS scientist Harry Dalton is sent to the small town of Dante's Peak to check on unusual activity. Spared by the volcano's related death of a previous lover, Dalton urges Mayor Rachel Wando to put the city on alert. Dalton's boss, Paul Dreyfus, arrives and countermands Dalton, demanding scientific proof. When the proof finally arrives, Harry and Rachel must go to the volcano to rescue her two children and ex-mother-in-law. Tension builds as they try to reach safety, while the town below is destroyed. Okay, Dante's Peak. This is the winner of the listener's choice poll. What is your history with this? I think I saw it on VHS when it came out. I don't, I'm pretty sure I didn't see it in the theaters, but the only thing I remember from it was the people getting melted in like the hot springs when they go skinny dipping. I saw this when it was on like HBO or something, and I remembered nothing from this movie except how bad it was. Now, I thought I had seen this movie, but I was grossly mistaken because I didn't remember anything that was in this. Neither of us hold this movie in too high regard, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, this isn't in my pantheon of, you know, greatest films. Shawshank Redemption! Dante's, Dante's Peak! <laughs> I was disgusted Citizen. at the result of the Listeners poll this poll. week. I wanted to watch Volcano way more than this. Yet again, this movie only won by like four votes or something, so. Oh man, I should have gone onto like six different computers and voted. <laughs> voted for Volcano? Little insider info, I vote from four different computers. <laughs> 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 There's really only three people that vote a week. The rest, the rest is just me going through different proxies, <laughs> trying to make it interesting for the show. <laughs> okay, so let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. Okay, first up, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> This entire time I was watching him, I kept thinking that this was James Bond. He's fallen so far. Yeah, this is two former Bonds in a row. Back to back, yep. First we have our boy Connery, now Mr. Brosnan. I think that's part of the problem. After I see Sean Connery, <laughs> he is he is so powerful, so strong, so debonair. <laughs> Handsome debonair. Beefcake. <laughs> to me, he just he has like an arrogance about him that's not likable. He has an arrogance that's okay. unde- he has an arrogance that's undeserved. Yeah, I would agree with that too. <laughs> Your arrogance offends me. <laughs> I seem to be the only guy that am pro-Pierce these days, I guess. Remington Steele! Come on. <laughs> am I right? Does Goldeneye mean nothing to you? <laughs> Goldeneye the video game means a lot to me. Okay, n- next up, Linda Hamilton. Oh, she's, uh... Tread carefully, Kevin, for you tread on my dreams. <laughs> yeah, Linda Hamilton didn't really impress me in this movie. <laughs> 
It's <laughs> putting it lightly. Linda Hamilton's acting was uh, was very far from Terminator Two and Terminator One as far as like intensity. Was it Terminator Three level? It wasn't that good. The movie that I first think of when I see Linda Hamilton is obviously the Terminator series, and when I think of how over the top and how like intense she is, she really is fitted for that role perfectly. And then when you take her out of that and put her into like a motherly love interest role, it feels out of place and awkward. She's really good at portraying a really strong female character. She's a Ripley. She's a Sigourney Weaver. Maybe that's just like we all go there. That's what we associate with her. But, but it's, it's hard to see her in this very soft role where she basically was there just to like look back at the volcano and look scared. <laughs> I mean, that was her whole like role, really. All right, so that's pretty much it. I mean, there's not much acting going on in this movie because it's special effects festival. So this is normally the time where I would read the history of Dante's Peak, but there isn't really much to say. Nothing really interesting happened on set or the backstory. Do they have any information as to why they wanted to make a movie about a volcano? Yes, they did. The film is loosely based on the real-life volcanic eruption of Mount St. Helens in 1980. There you go. Let me ask you this. That's not very interesting. Boring. Yeah, I agree. So this movie made how much? Worldwide? This is 96? 7. 97? I say 150. You don't think it's going to rake in any of that Twister cash? No. I think it's going to play <laughs> off a of Twister. I'm going to say 200 worldwide. Okay. Well, despite having wider financial success and being slightly more scientifically accurate than Volcano, Dante's Peak opened to more unfavorable reviews than its rival, with a worldwide gross of $178 million. Kevin wins. Yet again? What did you say? I said 150. And I said two. Two. He's closer. Are we doing prices right rules? Like again. Yes. <laughs> you gotta hammer this out. You gotta, you gotta work this. You gotta work this out better. We need some official rules. I mean, I mean, I mean. If you're gonna, if, if you're gonna be the moderator, you have to have the rules set. I can care less. <laughs> you're the judge. Pick a winner. Uh, Kevin wins. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations, Kevin. <laughs> you deserve it. You, you, you deserve all the success that comes your way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So rather than read the uh, the history of this movie, which is non-existent, what, one of the biggest complaints left against this movie is that it's just one of the biggest cliched disaster movies of all time. So I got a list here of disaster movie cliches. So I wanted to go through them one by one and we'll see if we can tick them off and see if they're, they're in this thing. Okay. This is written by Mick LaSalle from the San Francisco Chronicle. This is a guy that pops up a lot in the, the critical review section on the show. So let's see here. One, the movie starts with boring normality. No. No, this movie was very, it, it was actually very dramatic. There was like a five minute long slow-mo scene where Jesus was carrying his cross out of out of a town. Yeah, yeah. So this movie starts off with a cold open. <laughs> so the movie starts off with what was going on? There was was Mount St. Helens erupting? Or, it was Mount Pinatubo. A volcano was blown up, and Pierce Brosnan and had his, his hot lo- wife were was, trying to yeah. escape, and, and like a stray rock hit her in the head and killed her. Right? Yep. Yeah, it just like burned a hole through her through her brain. Give yeah, it went right through. It was like a burning coal of hot lava came what? right through the uh, roof of their truck, went right through her head. After Pierce Brosnan's wife died. We cut to four years later. He's sent to Dante's Peak, which is a quiet town in the Pacific Northwest. Not only that, it cuts four years into the future. Pierce Brosnan doing very poor form push-ups. Oh, yeah. They're really bad. (laughs) (laughs) I like that when we were watching this movie, a key element of debate for like 20 minutes was Pierce Brosnan's push-up form. They were horrible. (laughs) Terrible form. He was going about halfway down as far as he should have been going. Before we started watching the movie, I had to get my push-ups for the day out of the way. And then when I saw his push-ups, I was disgusted because he was James Bond. He can't do push-ups? Come on. Okay, next up. One guy knows. He just figures it out with a pad and a pencil. He knows how to save people's lives, but how does he crash
crash the gate and talk to the president. That happens in this movie, essentially. Like, Pierce Brosnan is the lone guy he yep. knows. When Pierce Brosnan first arrives to Dante's Peak, a sexy young couple. A sexy nubile and frisky couple taking a dip, skinny dipping, mm -hmm. in a hot spring. It's a lot hotter than they can handle. Presumably, they're going to have sex in the hot spring. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only hope. And then all of a sudden... You can only hope and pray. Yeah, I got that on my knees and I started praying like, please, <laughs> I hope they have sex. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, lava bursts forth from beneath their feet and mm -hmm. just cooks them alive. Yeah, like, they're basically boiled. But the water never evaporates, which really <laughs> pissed me off because lava's really, really hot. When they showed beneath the water, they showed like red <laughs> it showed, like, lava. It looked like an explosion of magma shot up out of the earth into the hot springs. But that's another cliche too, though, right? I mean, when you have sex, you die. That's more of a horror movie thing than a disaster movie thing, but what the hell? Yeah, let's, yeah sure, let's, toss it in. Let's mix and match. All right, so we meet Linda Hamilton. She's the mayor of the town. Yeah, so she meets Pierce Brosnan, and they go up to Lake Placid or whatever. They go up to the lake <laughs> to meet the old lady... <laughs> that lives in a cabin by the lake. And she's feeding this giant <laughs> crocodile. crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they meet the old lady. She's a grandma. And I guess she doesn't like Linda Hamilton. I, I don't know. Well, it's her mother-in-law. It's her ex-mother-in-law. Ex Monster-in-law starring... <laughs> Lopez, whatever. Linda Lisa Lopez. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Starring Lisa Left Eye Lopez. <laughs> T-Boz. T-Boz. Pierce Brosnan realizes that the acidity levels in the soil is really high. And squirrels are dying. Left and right. Trees are dying. All sorts of cats. It's like a gateway to hell has opened. Yeah. <laughs> Dante's Peak. <laughs> and creatures are just dying everywhere. <laughs> And it appears to him that he has sufficient proof. In my opinion, he has sufficient proof. Yes, because they stumble upon the hot spring and they find the mutilated corpses of... Of these people <laughs> that were essentially, like, boiled alive. Yeah, yeah, and, and the little kid, uh, and Linda Hamilton's little kid was about to dive face first into the <laughs> uh, the pool of water. Yet he stopped him before he knew what was in the pool. Like, he stopped yeah, him. What yeah. was that? No, I think, he, I think he saw. I think he, he, he noticed. And that's maybe he, he smelled saw. like a rotting sulfur corpse. Yeah, maybe. You know, multiple times in this movie, he brings up the smell of sulfur. This whole town has to smell like farts, okay? And that's sufficient proof for me to, you know, lock this town down and get them out of there. How can a town that smells like farts be listed as the number one best place to live? Joel, it didn't always smell like farts. Dante's Peak just recently became active and started emitting fart gases. I think it slowly snuck up on them. It's, you know, silent but deadly. It's okay, it's enough. <laughs> All right, next up on the cliche list, the conference. Sooner or later, there's always a conference or a meeting. That's when people find out that they're 400 feet long or traveling at 700 miles per hour or has more teeth than anyone ever thought. But that's impossible, so what's <laughs> It's around this time that Pierce Brosnan says, hey, we got to call a meeting, <laughs> town meeting. So this meeting scene, immediately it struck me like, this movie seems a bit of a ripoff of Jaws. And there's a town that is completely dependent upon tourism for survival, yeah. some sort of natural disaster disaster hits it. Mm -hmm. People are against the guy who knows what's up mm -hmm. because they're afraid that their profits will take a hit mm -hmm. and eventually lives will be lost because of it. All right, so after the meeting, Pierce Brosnan's boss shows up and we're hit with the next cliche. The general is wrong. In most disaster movies, it's a decorated general or a big shot from the government who shows up with an idea of how to deal with the monster, the invasion of the disaster. The general is always sure. Pierce Brosnan's boss shows up and he tells Pierce Brosnan to shut his mouth. He doesn't know 
what he's talking about. And he reassures everybody in town that don't worry, if we're going to put this town on alert, we're going to do it because of facts, figures, and science. He does going to use Nemo's science. He does it in such a unprofessional way. He, he goes, uh, excuse me, can I talk to you, Pierce? He calls him Pierce Brosnan. They leave the room and he comes back and he's like, my friend may have uh, jumped the gun a little bit. He's uh, a little touched in the head. So what do you guys think? Is this guy right? Was he doing the right thing? Did he have all the facts at that point? I mean, did he know about all the dead squirrels? And like the sulfuric acid levels of the water. Squirrels and- die every day. Not like that. We were led to believe that there were thousands of dead squirrels being eaten by maggots strewn about the mountain, right? Because we saw a few and then the grandmother was like, yeah, the squirrels are dying everywhere. They also showed all the trees next to any body of water dead. And those people were boiled to death. Two people died. All the people in that in that town hall meeting were, were so against Pierce Brosnan. It was weird too because the town is really small. You'd think that they would know the two people that were boiled alive. They addressed that, right? They said that they, they no one knew who they were. They were just like passerbys. But what? <laughs> what? It was, just, it was that like a throwaway line? Yeah, yeah, it was. I actually picked up on that because I was thinking the same thing. It's like, well, why wouldn't these people be outraged? Like, why wouldn't there be more uproar? And it had to be, right? They, they couldn't be two teenagers from town where like their parents were there like crying and weeping because then people would maybe be alarmed a little more. But they should have been anyway. If it, Okay, if, if I was there. Pierce Brosnan, here, this is going to sound callous, but Pierce Brosnan should have let that little girl jump into that hot tub. You know, that's <laughs> a really good point. If he let that girl get boiled alive, they would have had a reason to get the hell out of there immediately. Like, you the bastard, man. you knew? You knew you <laughs> let her jump? I'm sorry, but I, but, but I had thousands of lives to think of. It's for the greater good. <laughs> Plus, she's a really bad actress. She had to do you a big favor. She had to go. So I think based on what that the information that that guy had, he probably wasn't wrong to say, well, look, everyone calm down. Let's not jump the gun. Let's look at what this does. Because it is a volcano. I mean, these things, generally speaking, they take a little time to build up, right? They don't just all of a sudden one day turn on. He also said that there could have been a million reasons why the level of acidity in that pool went up. Yeah. But again, like cost benefit analysis here. All right. We're looking at a volcano erupting and destroying the whole town. Maybe, maybe put people on alert. It's not going to hurt. He's not asking for an evacuation. He's just asking them to be aware that the volcano is a little more active. It it seemed to me like in this movie, like being on alert was synonymous with evacuation, evacuation. but it's not. That's how they acted, right? Oh, I guess. I mean, imagine if you lived there and was like, hey, be on alert. The volcano might erupt. I'm out of here. Right? Yeah, you'd leave. It's around this point where the rest of Pierce Brosnan's team shows up. They're a ragtag bunch of (laughs) jokers, just like the team from Twister. Yeah, I think it was the Twister team. They just left uh, Bill Paxton people, yeah. and, and, and Helen Hunt. Pierce Brosnan is essentially fired from his He's job. He's put on forced vacation. Yeah, forced leave. He's, He's wallowing he, in his own chaotic, insecure, insecure delusions, delusions walking yeah. around town. He's drinking his sorrows away at the local gin mill. Whoa! <laughs> Guys, I'm so proud of you two right now. <laughs> I've never been prouder. Eventually, Pierce Brosnan decides to get himself a little coffee. So he goes to the latest uh, coffee shop. And lo and behold, who's sitting behind the counter pouring coffee but... Linda Hamilton. She is the town's mayor and the town's barista. Yeah, to recycle jobs. Is there's, <laughs> there's that few people living here? I guess so. Does she have anything better to do than be pouring coffee for people? Maybe being a mayor is such an intensive job. But so she needs somebody on the side because she's a single mom raising two kids. So she's got to do something that won't interfere with her mayoral duties. I 
Okay, so Pierce Brosnan decides to take his team. They do a little flyover around the volcano. Some majestic shots of a caldera. <laughs> they fly right into the noxious sulfur dioxide gas fumes. Yeah, no one smells any of it. And he's like, nope, there's no gases here. But this is such a weird scene because you can see the helicopter is like in like a mist being emitted from this volcano. Yeah, they're, they're setting it up that this volcano is not exhibiting any signs of problems. Yet Pierce Brosnan has like a sort of sick sense where he can tap into the volcano's consciousness and he can, <laughs> he can sense that it's going to blow at any second. Right? Well, Peter said to his boss, I'm the best you've got. He did a very yeah, top, he's that he's top gun, very, right? very Top Gun-esque scene in this movie where he's in the bar, again, wallowing in his own chaotic insecure delusions, <laughs> and his boss is like, why are you still here? You're, I put you on forced vacation. He's like, I got to stick around. Why is that? I'm the best man you got. Yeah, I'm the best geologist in the biz. <laughs> I'm the hottest like, what geologist. What does that mean? His skills are top notch. He knows what this rock is as opposed to what that <laughs> rock is. Like, what are you going to do in case the volcano blows? I can identify a piece of granite in less than two seconds from 200 yards. Oh, that's an igneous rock. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that smoky quartz crystal. How'd you see that? That's half a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> really useful skills in an emergency. It's just one of my uh, one of my gifts. Top gun geologist. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a real maverick. You're the best of the best geologist. Yeah, he buzzed. The, the volcano in the, in the helicopter. Bring it back in, guys. The helicopter's upside down. He's got a camera. Gotcha. Smile. Oh, we get a delicious pantomime sequence from Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan shows his acting chops. You know, years on Broadway have honed his skills to a fine point. How about you describe this amazing scene here? I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> to, be, to be completely honest, what what are you referring you to? The close-up man. Magic? Yeah. yeah. You, oh, oh, you're oh, you're talking about where he where he's trying to uh, hit on Linda Hamilton's daughter. Yeah, when he hit this little <laughs> six year old girl, this little pantomime. Yeah, so he puts on this pantomime act where he rips large chunks of hair out of this little girl's skull. And <laughs> okay, so he plucks. That's totally inaccurate. Well, you are the worst. <laughs> all, all right, let me take over. No, 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 no. <laughs> Pierce, is this really this important? Yeah, you're we right. need to deconstruct this scene? <laughs> Pierce does some close-up magic with Lin- Linda Hamilton's children to charm and impress them. The end? The end! Well, like, what happens to advance the story there? I don't yeah, I don't, I don't, get it. Why are we talking about this? There's is it, nothing uh, to discuss here. It's like you and your, your obsession with coin tricks and, like, magic yeah, have, like, are coming... talk about hand magic. Yeah. I know what I wrote in my note. My note, my note was pantomime. <laughs> was it wasn't even pantomime. But, which is why I was like, what scene are you talking Magic about? I was expecting it to be like, ooh, like pulling his way like up the mountain. like up All of a sudden, Pierce Brosnan's trapped in a box. That's what he does. He pantomimes like he's sewing with a needle. The napkin? Yes. He has a fake needle and he's like... Ooh, ah. Huh, huh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> is that for the kids? I thought that might be of note. <laughs> you can set this scene up because it's really important. Yeah, go ahead. This is, Forget this is all it. yours. Forget go, it. Go ahead, Joel. No, no, Joel. Go ahead. This is obviously the really important. Is yours. This is really important to you. Go, go. I want, I want to hear about it. <laughs> Apparently, like, his acting prowess is on full display in this scene. <laughs> this is such a bearing of the plot. <laughs> Without this scene, everyone would be lost in the movie. We'd have no idea what's happening. Everyone would have evacuated and been saved. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wasting time pantomiming and doing hand magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. See, I told you it's worth talking about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Okay, so Pierce Brosnan's team, they brought along them a highly sophisticated robot from the 1990s <laughs> used to explore volcanoes and rocks and stuff. I guess it's supposed to be like a billy goat kind of thing, like it climbs rocks. It looks like it should be on Mars. Yeah, I think we're led to believe it's like a NASA robot for like the moon or something. Yeah, that's that's what I think it is because they have this, yeah, this, this big... pack from NASA that's apparently interfering with it working. One of the guys rips off this big yellow pack from the robot, which will come into play later. It's like a big, what, GPS chip? Yeah, it's enormous. Yeah, it sends out like an alert when activated. That <laughs> lets you know like where it is if it if it gets in trouble. It was progressing down into the volcano. Six inches so an hour. So slowly. <laughs> they could have just slid down a rope and gotten down there in like three seconds. Instead, this thing took them like a half hour to walk down the, the hill. You think that they could have fired some type of sensor on the end of like a flare gun? Yeah, or just lowered something down. Or just lowered something, something in like a protective shell on a rope yeah from the, from even from the helicopter they didn't yeah have why to... didn't they just drop some from the helicopter because they had to take the helicopter up there right they didn't scale that mountain in an hour you and think it... pierce brosnan can climb dante's peak <laughs> that thing was huge right it was and it's not like a week went by right all this stuff happened in a very small window we were led to believe right like what a, a couple days two days three days it happened in like a week and a half that happened in the same day like they got the robot yeah, and they went remember, to the volcano i don't remember people sleeping all right okay so they go up to the volcano with this robot the robot goes down in the volcano it gets stuck and so the comical fat guy decides to jump down and save the robot when the guy goes down to get the robot there's a tremor mm -hmm. a giant worm is crawling <laughs> beneath the volcano <laughs> no like the earth shakes man this movie would have been so much more interesting if that kevin happened. bacon was in it yeah oh man oh yeah so all these rocks fall. And they fall on the comedic fat man's leg. And, and we were all cackling like demons when this happened. Right? We just started laughing. Like, because the way we this saw is it shot. coming. I mean, it was, just, it was so obvious. As soon as you <laughs> saw this robot heading down into the volcano, the whole thing, like it just appeared to you, right? <laughs> like the shot of him covered in rocks. And he's like, he's like oh, my leg. It's so funny. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, so, so fast forward a bit. Pierce Brosnan is hanging out with Linda Hamilton. He's at her house. And he goes to get a drink of water from the sink and he turns on the faucet and diarrhea shoots out of the tap. Pierce Brosnan wants to make sure that this isn't just her sink. So has... they go to, they go to the, the water supply, right? Which is like they open up like a, a shed door. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like a, this cave with water in it. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. That's their water supply? Hey, were you expecting a giant like water treatment facility? I wasn't expecting like someone's shed in the backyard. Yeah. So apparently what? Like the sulfur dioxide levels or something were really high. The water is becoming acidic. For whatever reason, the water is the telltale sign that the boss has been waiting for to put the entire town on alert. Should that be enough to evacuate the town right then? Yeah. The water supply is compromised. You can't drink water. That's, That's a good it. point. That's, That's a really hey, good point. Everyone, get out of town. Yeah. We're done here. You can't shower. You can't drink anything. Get no. the hell out. But instead, Linda Hamilton goes on the news and says, hey, tomorrow night, we're all going to have a town meeting in the high school gym. What did they do for like a day and a half? They had no water. If the water is in fact acidic, if someone goes to take a shower, are they all getting like third degree burns? Yeah, like really seriously stop and think about that. Like you go like, to get water from the tap and then acid shoots out of it. Wouldn't everyone's pipes just melt away and just water would be shooting everywhere? What if you went and took a dump? Would you just see it disintegrate in the toilet? Oh, oh man! I'm down. Let's go to Donnie's feet. <laughs> Guys, let's get out of here. It's Booker trip to Yellowstone. I'm taking a dump in a geyser. <laughs> <laughs> So 
we're really far into this movie at this point. We're, what, like an hour almost? Yes, it's an hour in. And they've spent a lot of time not evacuating. Yep. We, this whole movie, like almost from the start, we've seen really good signs that something's going on. Something, I, it just baffles me. Something fishy is going on. It just baffles me that they, did, they didn't do anything until like the last minute. Why would you wait till the last minute? Well, guys, here's the next disaster movie cliche. Hubris brought it on. Disasters look a lot like a divine rebuke, and so it's no surprise that between the lines of many disaster films is the idea that we asked for it. They asked for it in as much as the people who knew about it didn't do anything about it until it was too late. But the people who knew nothing about it, aka the entire town, mm-hmm. definitely didn't ask for it. In the typical yes that bad fashion, all the movies we watch at the exactly at the one hour mark is when the thing that we came to see in the movie finally happens. Yeah, the mummy shows up. Yeah, the mummy finally showed up. <laughs> And he blew up the volcano because a giant eruption went off while everybody was jammed into the high school having a meeting. Instead of evacuating, everybody was jammed together in one spot. The volcano blows up and everybody goes haywire. They go running off left and right. It's at this point in the movie that they show the volcano erupting. And I got to say, it doesn't look bad. I mean, like the shots of Linda Hamilton looking in the mirror of the car look pretty poor. But other than that, the actual volcano erupting looks decent. I'll say that these 1997 kind of atmospheric particles effects that they had for the volcano, the smoke, looked more realistic than the equivalent in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the volcano's blowing up. And let me ask you guys a question. At this point, we're now in, the volcano has finally blown its top. How do you feel about the movie at this I point? I don't care what happens to anyone. I really wanted another Pompeii. Just everybody dies and the movie ends. I lost complete interest. Probably like 20 minutes before this happened. It's a boring movie. It's really boring. They, they do nothing to make you care about any of the characters. The kids are annoying. (laughs) The adults are very uninteresting. Linda Hamilton and Pierce Brosnan have the worst chemistry of any supposed on-screen couple I've ever (laughs) seen. seen. (laughs) At this point, I'm just looking forward to seeing people die horrific lava deaths. But do you get that? No! No, We didn't even get any lava deaths. I wanted somebody to get like melted into lava. We didn't even get... Yeah, we didn't even get that. How amazing would that have been? I wanted the Man. I wanted the obligatory river of lava that had they had to cross a bridge that was burning. It would be great with with a river of lava underneath, and they, they never, never did that. They never got a shot of like somebody going. <laughs> like falling face first into like a, a pit of, of lava. Is, is that, that's probably what Volcano would have offered us, right? Okay, so they're driving up this road and Pierce Brosnan is in the equivalent of a tank SUV <laughs> because this thing can drive over trees, boulders. It can drive through like a foot of volcanic ash. At one point, I think it's driving through lava. He drives on the lava. Yes, on lava. And then the tires it, it goes, take it just fine. It, it goes underwater. It's summer, It's a submariner of a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Other cars try to go through the river. (laughs) What a bunch of jokers. Well, it's around this point that Linda Hamilton's kids decide to steal a car, the little Grand Theft Auto of their own, Uh and they drive it up to save grandma. This is the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen. Well, because they know that their grandma is stubborn and stupid and doesn't think the volcano is erupting and is going to stay there until the lava overtakes her and kills her. At this point, if she doesn't believe the volcano is erupting, she deserves to die. Well, these, Agreed. these little kids are driving up this windy-ass road that curves around the mountain, mm-hmm. and there's, like, 
it's essentially snowing ash, right? Yeah. It's like snowing. You, there's no visibility whatsoever. It's, this kid's like eight years old and he's driving the car like perfectly. The worst part of this entire segment of the movie was that everybody is able to breathe perfectly fine. And not, not only oh, that, yeah. they're doing things that are strenuous. They're running around. They're, <laughs> I guess it's like silicon and carbon and it's poisonous. <laughs> it's extremely poisonous. It would kill you. Yeah, probably. And they're breathing it really deeply and it's not affecting them at all. Okay, so here's the next disaster movie cliche. An obnoxious person dies. So before all this went down, the two people who were most adamant to not evacuate the town were like these real estate developers. They're real estate developers that were on the town's the town council. They put capitalism above human life. Now they're gonna pay the price, I guess. All right, Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. Well, we get a three for one because the helicopter pilot wanted to charge more once one of their friends was injured after he fell down Dante's Peak. So I mean, he might as well just sign his death certificate because (laughs) as far as disaster movie cliches go, this guy's going down. So of course, he charges them $15,000 each to get on his helicopter to fly out while this volcanic ash is pouring all over the town. Apparently, everybody in the United States Geological Survey team has seen this before. Don't get in the helicopter. It's just going to clog your engine. The helicopter's going to crash. He takes off before they're able to tell him and the helicopter, of course, the rotors stop after he's like 100 feet in the air and he just crashes and burns. You know, I actually like this effect of the helicopter crashing. I thought they did a good job. It, it actually almost hits them. It bounces over Pierce Brosnan's super truck. Yeah, I felt no mercy when those guys were slaughtered in that helicopter. So the helicopter crashes and collides into some something that has explosives in it, some type of shed. There's a big explosion and Pierce Brosnan looks back and calls on his radio that he wants someone to get fire services up there immediately. I think if a volcano is erupting, fire services is not going to be able to do the trick. <laughs> I also think fire services is evacuating with their families. <laughs> I don't think they're heading back to the mountain to save someone. You know, if we watched a real volcano movie called Volcano, <laughs> fire services played a huge role in that movie, I believe. Oh, they, yeah, they, yeah. they actually shot their fire hoses and saved LA. <laughs> <laughs> so the kids actually make it up to grandma's house and as soon as they get there, Grandma comes running out. She's like, what are you kids doing here? And her dog runs away. Why? Why did that dog just take off? Like Maybe his his own natural instincts of, I gotta get the hell out of here. <laughs> so this dog really is not loyal to this grandmother in any way, shape, or form. He, he knows she is just insane and won't leave. He's heard her, her rants. <laughs> <laughs> we get a Jumanji-esque scene where the, oh, yeah. where the lava bursts through the cabin like the rhinoceros and elephants <laughs> burst through the library in Jumanji, almost in the exact same way. I loved it. This is like the only scene with lava of any importance. That's a good point, yeah. A movie about a volcano erupting, and this is it. This is all the lava. It's mostly about acidic water in this movie, right? Yeah. Less than actual magma. Acidic water is the main culprit. (laughs) Acid rain. (laughs) So luckily, you know, Pierce Brosnan and Lyndall Hamilton get to the log cabin just in time so that they can rescue everyone, the grandmother and the kids, from the lava flow. And they jump into a nearby boat. They, they <laughs> right into the uh, out of the frying pan into the fryer, I guess, because they escape the lava. But then they go into the acidic soup, the primordial ooze. <laughs> they jump into a little aluminum rowboat. Yeah, that's got like a five horsepower motor on the back of it. And this they, this it, lake it, is being fed with just molten lava. <laughs> the lava's flowing into this lake. <laughs> it would be like jumping into a boiling pan on a stove. None of this even makes any sense at all, because if lava is going in... 
for rock to be hot enough to melt, I would submit to you that it's hotter than 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay? Agreed. Right? Because, I mean, I cook on a stove almost every day, and my pan doesn't melt, so I'm assuming it's hotter than that. How is this? What a Susie homemaker. Every day you're cooking? What a baby. (laughs) Guys. baby. I would submit that the lake would evaporate almost instantly. Yeah. Like, there shouldn't be any water left in that lake at all. Maybe the steam would have killed them. Like, all the, the steam shoots up. Like, yeah, they should have got killed by a sulfur steam fart cloud. Like, like in The Mummy. Just like in The Mummy. It, yeah, yeah. It should have had, like, a giant mouth and it would have... <laughs> and just took them over. Instead, they're in this rinky-dink little boat. The propeller melts away from the acid water. And little holes are starting to perforate the boat. The boat they, and the boat starting the sink. Like, you idiots are dead. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, this acid is strong enough to dissolve metal, but not dissolve the jacket that Pierce Brosnan wraps around his arm to use as a paddle. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan starts paddling on one side of the boat furiously because they're about, a, uh, they're about 20 yards from this dock. He dips his entire hand in the water. Again, this dock is made out of wood, which is also not dissolving, although this yeah. boat is definitely dissolving. Yeah. So Pierce Brosnan starts using his arm as a paddle, it's not working, and the grandma decides that because they're all up here because of her, it's time for her to display her Herculean strength. She dives out of the boat and pushes them the last 20 yards to shore. Like a mother who can lift a a car off a child. She had so much adrenaline pumping through her body, and (laughs) she had the same- 90-year-old woman- This scene was one of the most ridiculous in the entire movie because this frail elderly woman pushes seven people through this lake while she's being dissolved by acid. They get her back to shore and she's laying on the ground and you think she's dead, which she shouldn't be because it's just her legs that got affected by the acid. None of her body got affected. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, what did she do? Just maybe pass out from the pain? But she was out, right? She was out. I thought she was dead. And then they get back to the woods where it's just covered in ash and she kind of wakes up and she gives her like final speech or whatever. Pierce tells the children to look away as he quietly snaps her neck. <laughs> Puts her out of her Puts her down. He <laughs> 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 just threw up. Amara <laughs> <laughs> just walked over to the sink and vomited <laughs> from laughter. <laughs> Okay, so after all this garbage, we see our next... (laughs) We get our next and my favorite disaster movie cliche. House pets are immune. House pets are almost always miraculously saved. And we get that in full force in this thing. This dog saved itself. It just came running out of the woods and leapt. Yeah, 30 dri- yards from a hillside into a, the bed of a moving truck going through lava. Yeah, like they're driving through a, like a lava pit or something. And like, oh, hey, the dog's alive. There he is. Just happened to find us. I can only imagine that back in 1997, this dog reappears. Everybody in the theater stands on their feet, start clapping. People start throwing their hats in the air. It's graduation day. Everyone's so happy, right? I was overcome with joy because the dog is the only likable character in this entire movie. He's the only one I wanted to live. How is this car driving through lava? Kevin, you've had a bunch of acceptable theories so far. No, there's none for this. There's no way you could drive rubber tires over freshly born lava. Is lava born? Yeah, it's born. It's birthed. Just like Transformers. (laughs) Lava and Transformers, one and the same. I mean, the tires like catch on fire. 
fire even, right? They're, they're flaming tires. Okay, so... They're just melting. What would you need to drive through lava? A different route. Yeah, you can't drive through it, right? I don't think so. I think, I think it would be so hot that no matter... Even if it's made out of some form of... I mean, metal would me- melt too, right? Like a tank? It would just melt? <laughs> yeah, it would just it, it would just dissolve. They should be literally roasted inside of that truck. There's gotta be so much heat radiating from the bottom of that truck that they should just combust. In a movie filled with, with outrageous scenes, this is by far the king, right? I mean, no, nothing was more outrageous than this. I could even buy the boat scene before I'd buy this. Yeah, chaos reigns supreme in this scene. All right, so it's around this point where like the Hoover Dam explodes or something <laughs> nearby. I just don't care anymore. What about you guys? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't care from the start. I was exhausted. I was like, I don't care. Like, I, end it already, please. This was really poor miniature work. Like the trees looked like they were part of somebody's basement table locomotive set. That's what it looked like. And someone pit, like filled up a pitcher of like dirty water and just poured <laughs> it down the side of a mountain into like a fake dam that was six inches tall. It's the vo- volcano finally fully erupts, right? Yeah, it sends pyroclastic ash down into the town. Which was basically like an atom bomb going off. It like leveled every building in town. <clears throat> so to escape this blast, Pierce Brosnan outruns it with his pickup truck that he stole. Yet again, the, f- the force of the explosion goes relatively slow compared to his car. 2012 style. Yeah, but he doesn't get to fly through like, you know, falling he skyscrapers. Well. He might as well have done that. <laughs> well, he does figure out that the one safe place is their son's porno stash. <laughs> secret porno den in the, in, in the mine shaft. And I swear to God, if you pause it, there's a poster of like a girl in a bikini on the side of the wall there. All right, so they, they burst in, they crash. There's like a rock slide. They're trapped. Well, because the, the, the pickup truck takes out all of the support beams. Everybody just assumes that they're dead and moves on with their lives. Yep. And we get the last uh, cliche here. The hero's dark night of the soul. He's all alone. Everyone's depending on him. His dark night of the soul is he realizes that their only way for them to escape is that they have this transmitter that they took off the robot that was put there for NASA. And what it does is it sends out a homing signal. He's hoping that it will let his teammates know that he's still alive and that they'll come and rescue him. So he he crawls back to the truck that's being crushed by the rest of the mine as it's collapsing. There's a big rock slide that separates him from the rest of Linda Hamilton's family. And he gets in there just in time to turn this transmitter on after it totally breaks his arm, actually exposing the bone, which looks like something that you would pass out just from the pain alone. His bone bursts out of his skin. Compound fracture, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. How he doesn't get infected and die from this, I don't know. Well, they say that he's stuck in there for another day and a half. Yes. So, I I mean, All if, stuff if not in the air, it's not, I mean, like, yeah, he should probably get gangrene. Yeah, but I mean, the, the guy, the 127 hours guy, I mean, that was a lot longer. He was trapped, right? He didn't. Yeah, but he wasn't covered in, like, filth and dirt. Dirt. It, it was in the cave. It doesn't matter, though. The 127 hour guy tied his hand off with a tourniquet. So maybe Pierce did the same thing. No, he didn't. He definitely didn't. (laughs) (laughs) It shows his bone exposed. He's like, ow, oops. (laughs) He goes over, kind of like hunches over and clicks the button on. There's no blood coming out at all. It's almost like his bones have no arteries in them. It's because he tied it off so tight. (laughs) Blood wouldn't flow from his arm. (laughs) Then all the tissue beyond that should die. Okay. 
<laughs> All right, so that's it. So they, they they go and then they find him and then they rescue him. him. Him and Linda Hamilton have a loving embrace to kiss. The end. How are people there a day and a half after this volcano exploded? Yeah, it looked like the Chilean miners rescue, right? Like there was like hundreds, thousands yeah. of people there with huge machinery. Uh-huh. How did that get up there? Yeah, I don't and know. not only that, isn't everything just like poisonous gases and you know yeah, molten no one, lava? No like, one had a gas mask on. How are they up there? Okay, so let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. Dante's Peak follows the disaster formula so faithfully that if you walk in while the movie is in progress, you can estimate how long the story has to run. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. Agreed. Like, he's dead on with that. Once the film is over, you'll likely acknowledge that, although there's some nice eye candy, the experience as a whole leaves something to be desired. James Berardinelli, Real Views. And finally, a $100 million piece of piffle. Mike Clark, USA Today. Ooh, piffle, that's pretty harsh. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? Yeah, this movie was horrendous. It was not interesting at all. I didn't care if any of the characters lived or died. I didn't know anything about the characters. Did you care if you lived or died? Yeah, I I actually did care if I lived or died. I was kind of hoping I would die at the end of the movie. The acting was unremarkable. The story was really, really poor and superficial. And other than the atmospheric effects of the ash cloud, there was nothing that was entertaining about it. I mean, it wasn't abysmal. I mean, it was it wasn't Waterworld Country. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. So I'm going to say that I'm going to give this movie a two out of five. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but it's not the worst, the worst. Yeah, for me, yeah, it is that bad. I'll give it a two also. I just didn't care. And I was really disappointed that we didn't get some cool lava volcano type deaths. That being said, I mean, this this movie was competently made. The volcano's smoke and the effects around the volcano looked pretty cool. It was well done. I just didn't care about any of these characters and whether they lived or died. And, and and then if you don't have that, then what's the point of even watching it? As for me, yeah, it really is that bad. I just didn't care at all. This movie was a real snore fest. Real boring clunker. Let this one be forgotten in the 90s. Just let it let it go. This is not a classic that people are going to look back upon and be like, wow, remember Dante's Peak? <laughs> Yeah, people are going to go, what? Yeah, like, what was that? (laughs) Yeah, this movie stunk, so... (laughs) I felt really, like, tired when it was over, too. Like, I feel like I really went through something. Like, a real ordeal, right? Yeah. You did. You fell for the townspeople. Yeah, I really fell for their plight. Yeah, I'll go with a two. I mean, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It was just really dull and boring. I just didn't care. Two's all around. All right, so we got some voicemails. I'll play those for you right now. To listen to your messages, press one. Yo, you know who it is. It's Tyrone from Oregon, where the trees are always botting, blah, blah, blah. Hey, guys. This is Sam from uh, Alabama. Hey, guys. It's Crystal Kush from Phoenix yet again. Hey, guys. Hi, this is Jay Wall from Portland, Oregon, and I'm here to give my review of Dante's Peak. First off, I had a lot of issues with this movie. I definitely went to the theaters and saw it because I was like 10 or something when this movie came out. So yeah, I like volcanoes. After watching it and watching it again in my science class and talking about everything that's scientifically wrong with it, now I've come to really hate the movie and then realize acting bad, too. I uh, saw this one in the theater with my whole family, and uh, I was just in total awe. I mean, you had James Bond, you know, running around as a geologist, you know, alerting the town that there was an impending disaster coming, and of course, nobody believed him. Yo, let's talk about Dante's Peak. I have seen this movie so many goddamn times, dude. Not because it's good by any means, but because it's strangely entertaining. Hot, melty goo 
that burn shit is interesting. Well, first off, save you a little volcanology. It's a composite volcano. The whole Cascade Range is made of composite volcanoes, which, first off, can't have lava. That's the biggest issue with this movie, is these volcanoes don't have flowing lava like they showed. The flowing lava that apparently is suburban is tough enough to handle. Also, I just want to say rest in peace to all the trees that got melted in this movie. Out of respect, I will say their names now. Jimmy, Lucretia, Kimberly, Tito, Ziggy, Pinecone, Sarah, yes I named them, Sarah O'Connor, Chris Farley, and Jimmy. Because that shit really happened. That lava melted one of my tree houses up there by that badass volcano. And then they have... The truck driving through lava scene because, you know, your tires are rubber and rubber can resist lava. <laughs> Not to mention that most people, when they have to get near lava, have to wear, you know, the lava suit because of the heat. And they can only be there for a few minutes. But Pierce Brosnan so badass, he can just drive through the lava and his tires magically stay back. How that car did not completely catch on fire or the people died from the intense heat from being five feet from the lava, I don't know. Same thing with the dog. How did the dog not just, like, combust from being five feet away from molting hot lava? I don't know. I believe this movie is the only movie I've ever seen that involves granny death. And, you know, the best part of this movie is the ultimate payback for somebody being stubborn and not wanting to listen to another person's advice. The movie history is the grandmother. I mean, is it so wrong that when she jumps into the lake and tries to move the, uh, the boat, to shore she dies of acid burns I mean it's total justice and for that you know I got to give Dante's Peak uh, a total salute Dante's Peak has some ridiculous shit um, if you remember that old lady calmly walking through lava listen lava is like just so like that shit hurts dude Oh, just walking through the lava. Leave me behind. It's okay. It's okay. It's a nice way to die. Burning flesh? What burning flesh? Also, the amount of lava going into the lake is not even enough to create sulfuric acid to eat away crazy grandma's grandma's legs, who apparently was supposed to be a metaphor for Harry Randall Truman, who refused to leave his house in Mount St. Helens. But then, when they go to rescue the grandma, and they go to use their motorboat in the acid lake... The acid actually eats the boat, but lava doesn't eat tires? The logistics of this movie make no damn sense. This movie ain't got no scientific respect for lava science. Actually, this whole movie is a big F.U. to science dudes. Oh, this is supposed to be homage to Mount St. Helens. Like, man, I'm, I'm from Washington. I know all the stuff about Mount St. Helens. Nothing, nowhere near it. Especially, I had a huge issue, actually, with the end shot, where they made it look like Mount St. Helens. Now, if any of you guys know anything about Mount St. Helens, is half the mountain literally fell off because of how the eruption happened which obviously didn't happen in that movie. I don't know why uh, why Pierce Brosnan decided to do this movie right in the middle of uh, him doing James Bond films, but I'm very happy he did, and this is by far the best volcano movie of the 90s. Eat your heart out, Tommy Lee Also, I just want to say that Tommy Lee Jones also had a movie just like this called Volcano, and it was worse than this shit. Believe me. Bye. Tyrone out, bitch. End of new messages. Thanks for those voicemails, guys. Thanks, guys. Okay, let me read some listener mail. Cody writes in, talking about Dante's Peak. Hey, guys, I'm hoping that this will be one of your favorite emails about Dante's Peak because I think I had one of the best reactions while watching the movie. I was eight years old when the movie came out in theaters. I went with my mom, her cousin, and a family friend. I remember being a little bored with the beginning of the movie, but I really vamped up when the volcano actually started to erupt and things started exploding around the town. I actually got it in my head that this was going to happen in my town as I live near a 
rather big volcano in California, Mammoth Mountain. And I actually started to cry out of fear in the movie theater. They actually mentioned Mammoth Mountain in this movie. My mom had to take me out of the movie and sit with me outside during the rest of the movie while I calmed down. Years later, when I went back and rewatched it, I thought to myself, why the hell did I cry about this? This is stupid. After seeing the full movie, I tried to justify myself by saying that I have movie ESP and I wasn't crying out of fear. Rather, I was crying in order to get me the hell out of watching that movie. <laughs> I think that's a, a reasonable reaction as a kid, right? Yeah, you have absolutely. You in your town and then you're shown what could possibly happen. That's that an eight, terrifying. Me. Yeah. That sounds like child abuse. <laughs> I wouldn't have taken my kid to go see that movie if I lived by Mammoth Mountain. Yeah, I'm sure an eight-year-old wouldn't want to go swimming in the ocean after seeing Jaws. Sure, sure. I, actually, the first time I saw Jaws, I immediately went... It was, you didn't want to use the toilet anymore, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All right. The first time I saw Jaws, I was about eight years old. And coincidentally, it was the week before my family went down to the beach on our yearly two-week vacation. And I think for the first week, I wouldn't go into the ocean. It took me an entire week to like muster up the courage to even go up to my knees. By the way, it shouldn't take you two hours to shave. <laughs> I have a full... <laughs> I have a full-on Grizzly Adams beard, and it doesn't take me two hours to shave. It doesn't sound like you shave at all, so... (laughs) Well, you know. (laughs) I have a four-foot-long beard, and it doesn't take me a minute to shave. I remember ZZ Top. (laughs) But no, Cody, I agree with you. It doesn't take me two hours to shave. I disagree with you, Joel. It does take you two hours to shave. (laughs) Okay. Kyle writes in and says, In regards to anyone who thinks Sean Connery automatically equals a good movie, I present this rebuttal. Highlander 2, The Quickening. Just so you know, during that entire review, Joel was pointing his finger in Kevin's face harshly. Yeah, I don't know why. Did I say that menacingly? Menacingly. Sean Connery's a good movie? Somebody did. Who else would have bring this up? I don't think I ever said that. I didn't say it. Iggy Starr writes in, As a woman, I've never taken offense to your opinions regarding the various beautiful actresses that appear in the bad movies you review, and I'll tell you why. For some reason, I have a thing for a few handsome actors that really can't act. If their lives depended on some really great emoting, those poor wooden line reading guys would have been goners long ago. One example is Sam Worthington. I've been crushing hard on him for the past few years. I've seen Terminator Salvation countless times just to see Sam W. grimace through his scenes, going in and out of that sexy Australian accent whenever he feels like it. (laughs) 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 But his eyes... Sigh. He actually made a bad movie awesome for me, and therein lies the difference between me and what you guys do. Did you just say the word sigh? She wrote it out. I'm not gonna sigh. Why not? See, you guys recognize eye candy, but can still evaluate a movie with objectivity. So until you guys let the hot babe factor influence your reviews, then I think you'll be fine. Keep the good work, Iggy Star. Christine writes in saying, Hey guys, it's often extremely popular to make movies based on books, but more often than not, the books are always better than their big screen counterparts. What are some of your favorite movies that are based on books? Potters. Yeah. Jurassic Park. I think Michael Crichton has like a lot of books that are made into movies. The same thing with Stephen King. That you love? Yeah, the timeline. Congo. (laughs) 
Chicago is bad. Um, I really like The Green Mile. I thought that was a great movie. And that's Stephen King. The Shining is great. Stephen King has a lot of great books. Shawshank Redemption. Shaw, yeah, Shawshank. Stand by Me. Stand by Me. They're all they're all very good. I mean, there's some bad ones too. I mean, Children of the Corn. That was pretty bad. Thinner. All right. Well, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeah, it's that bad at gmail.com. Now it's on for the question of the week. And the question of the week was, what's a movie that had a lot of potential but completely squandered it? Random guy 804 said, Battlefield Earth. I'm reading the book and it had potential, but it was shit. In terms of movies adapted from TV, The Last Airbender is the film that makes me want to kill M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> It's very strong. (laughs) Leo said, My pick is Equilibrium, starring Christian Bale. The story of gunkata battles is a very interesting idea, yet they focused on too much fight scenes as they mostly ruined the film as it went into shambles. That's one of my favorite movies. Equilibrium is awesome. Yeah, Yeah, that movie is phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Joel, Kevin, I got something for you here. Capo Monkey said, A movie with a great premise but completely squanders off at the end. I can't think of anything but Bratz the movie. This film had everything... (laughs) This film had everything going for it. Based on the Bratz Dolls toy line, the movie follows the characters of four socially different yet powerful women struggling. (laughs) I can't even read this. Well played. Joel, Martin, Kevin, find in your hearts to scour the globe for this movie and bear witness to its hidden gem. P.S. I'm dying. (laughs) P.S. I'm dying. I'm dying to hear the review. (laughs) Spencer said, the only answer to this is Daybreakers, to create a fully functioning vampire society and then have them deal with a blood shortage destroying the premise for me. I want to see vampires at the height of their society, not at the end of it. The best sci-fi movies ask, what if, not what if, but, plus vampire Willem Dafoe would have been awesome. I'll go with Hancock. This film had a great premise about a superhero who's a drunk and doesn't give a shit about saving himself, let alone anyone else. If they worked more of Hancock's redemption in the film, giving the character some more depth, and focused on the comedy, it would have at least been interesting. But it is squandered by a boneheaded plot twist halfway in the movie. Then it takes itself way too seriously. Zombie Bunny said, I would have to agree with the three newest episodes of the Star Wars saga. I tried to stay with it, give it some leeway with that Jar Jar antics, but while watching the pod racing scene in The Phantom Menace, I heard one of the broadcasters say, oh, that's gotta hurt. And that is when I lost any hope of any redemption for the Star Wars episodes one and soon episode two and three failed alongside it. Justin said, Watchmen, the source material is consistently ranked as one of the greatest novels of our time. However, Snyder's changes to plot, occasionally bizarre music choices and indulgences in what were once minimal and subtle action sequences all betrayed his inability to understand what he was adapting. Some of the casting choices suck too. Okay, thanks for those responses, guys. As for next week's question of the week. Nicole writes in and says, what was a movie that has affected your life? Have you ever seen a movie that's affected your life in any way that's perhaps made you make a big life decision or inspired you to do something? I remember when I was like 17, I was watching Fight Club all the time and that inspired me to quit my job at the time. Recently, I saw a movie called Limitless and it actually inspired me to do more work, like to work harder. Do more drugs? Yeah, and also do more drugs. So if a movie has ever affected your life on where the other. Head on over to yesthatbad.com and leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now's the time where we normally would announce the movies for the next Listener's Choice poll. But we 
going on hiatus <laughs> for the holiday break. So the next couple of episodes that we release are going to be on autopilot. We're going to record them in advance and then just release them on time. So no more listener's choice. It's not going to be any more emails for the, until the next year, right? Joel, you're going on a little vacay, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm traveling. Even though we are all going to be away, don't worry, there's, there's still going to be new episodes, but we won't come back until after the new year. We probably won't reappear until the 51st episode, right? Right. Okay. So in case you're wondering where I'm going on my vacation, I'm shrinking myself down to microscopic size and injecting myself into Dennis Quaid's bloodstream. <laughs> so you're like, wait, what? <laughs> it's a great idea for a vacation. It's a reverse of... You reversed it. Like it's literally the reverse of inner space. <laughs> Dennis Quaid was shrugged put into Martin Short's body. <laughs> the inner, inner space experience. If you guys are wondering where Jill's going on vacation, he's going to shrink himself down after Dennis Quaid has been shrunk down. Okay. And he will be inside of Dennis Quaid while Dennis Quaid is inside of Martin Short. Perfect. <laughs> Am I going to be like at the subatomic level? Like yeah, you're going to be like piloting through like <laughs> molecules. <laughs> Okay, but don't worry. We will be back next week with a regular episode. So you can still send in your emails for that one. So... (laughs) Stupid. Okay, next week, in keeping with the season, we're going to be watching our first holiday movie on the show. And it's also going to be our first animated movie. Tune in next week when we'll be watching the 2004 animated classic, The Polar Express. It's a classic? That's not classic. I don't know if there's anything classic (laughs) about that. It's the opposite of classic. What a bunch of hate in here. Forgettable. <laughs> if it wasn't for that movie, we wouldn't have Naked Beowulf. Tintin is like the same production company. He's naked in that too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- Beowulf makes a naked cameo in that movie. <laughs> Tune in next week when we will be reviewing The Polar Express. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to check out our blog at blog.yesthatbad.com. Don't forget that bonus Facebook-only exclusive episode in time. Head on over to facebook.com slash yesthatbad. Click the like button. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five stars reviews really do help out the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Yeah It's Bad. You can follow Martin at Yeah It's Martin. And you can follow Kevin at Yeah It's Kev. And you can listen to the show on your non-iPhones or Android devices via Stitcher at Stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. went down to the beach on our yearly two-week vacation, and I think for the first week, I wouldn't go into the ocean. It took me an entire week to, like, muster up the courage to even go up to my knees. Cool story, bro. (laughs) That was uncalled for. I admit, that was totally uncalled for. I apologize. That was completely uncalled for. Yeah, I I totally acknowledge that. That was totally uncalled for. (laughs) Why are we even friends? (laughs) It's a knee-jerk reaction. I didn't mean to say it. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, I blame the internet. I'm so sorry. I blame the internet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.